0: Hi everyone, and welcome back to The Blast Podcast, a show where we believe movies can be more than just movies. I'm your host, Steve Watts, joined as always by my co-host, Apex Predator. And today, we're going to be briefly discussing our thoughts on Oscar nominations before catching up on some of the movies we've seen recently. Before we dive in, let's hear a word from our sponsor. As always, the Blast Podcast is presented by the Blast app, which is going to be available sooner than you may realize. Make sure you're following our Instagram page at blast underscore movies underscore, our TikTok at blast.movies, and our YouTube channel at blast.movies to stay up to date on all of our latest content. There you'll find podcast clips, movie ticket reviews from Ty and myself, and up-to-date news on the progress of the app. Lastly, please make sure to check out our app's landing page at BlastMovies.net, where you can learn more about what Blast is going to be. right, Ty, so Oscar nominations came out fairly recently. And I know you're kind of an Oscars hater. So the first thing I wanted to talk about is some of our issues, I think, collectively with the Oscars. I wrote a huge newspaper piece um, a couple of years back for Wesleyan to just absolutely lambast them for (laughs) their judgment calls. But I think the biggest thing for me that, that I hate the Oscars for is that it has so much influence over what people see when there are so many clearly better movies out there um like do you feel the same way
1: yeah it's just it's the same manufactured nonsense every year you look at the best picture noms you've seen three of them the rest of your like top 20 of the year don't come close the wrong people are nominated for the wrong awards i don't know if it's all on the oscars per se but they have the power in this the situation where average Joe will trust the Oscars as opposed to a couple dorks like us and miss out on some deep cuts, you know, like a, like a Godzilla minus one.
0: Exactly. And I, I kind of had a realization recently. I, the the Oscars never really get it right. So I was at a Christmas party um, this year and the, the family pulled out outburst and one of them was the last 10 best picture winners. I think I named two of them. I could not name, like, I didn't think of Coda. I didn't think of Green Book. All of these movies are just so, like, made exactly for the Oscars that it feels like that's their kind of identity. Like, is an Oscar movie a genre?
1: It's its, its own beast. Like, look at a movie <laughs> like Maestro. It probably won't win, but that's the archetype a lot of these winners. Just a two-and-a-half-hour, technically flawless movie that I'll forget in a day and a half. It's really boring and i wouldn't recommend it to 95% of the population.
0: Mank. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> i won't even watch Mank. I won't do it. There's a lot of winners, like like you said, i i just won't get to them. They look boring, but they fit this mold that seems to somehow work still in 2024.
0: I I completely agree and the the biggest backlash of this year's oscars because there is always something that people get upset about is the barbie situation. So Those of you who don't know, Barbie was nominated for eight Oscars, but uh, Margot Robbie did not get a nod for um, Best Actress, and Greta Gerwig did not get a nod for Best Director. Ty, I want your thoughts.
1: This is just a bunch of casuals making a big deal out of nothing. If any other movie had eight Oscar noms, that would be such a groundbreaking success. This is just people on socials looking for clicks, looking for attention. Sure. I mean, Margot Robbie's good, Nick. Greta Gerwig on the ultimate heat check right now, but I don't know if they are in my like top 5 performances and directors of the year. So, like I don't think they needed a nom. This movie killed it. What what made Barbie special was the set pieces, the costume design. Like that that's the stuff that it should have been nominated for and it was.
0: I agree. I think the big question with Margot Robbie's uh snub I guess is that um America Ferreira and Ryan Gosling were nominated America Ferrera gave a more serious performance than Robbie did but Ryan Gosling's was just as goofy and kind of a that that's weird to me I don't think he deserved the nom honestly but I, I yeah.
1: guess yeah I w- we'll get to that I want to unpack that that layer a little bit more but I I, I get the frustration but I think we're looking at it from the long, the wrong lens. This is the most successful movie in Warner Brothers' history, as far as I'm concerned, or at least in the last decade. So it was mm-hmm. financially successful. We're probably going to get a sequel. We're going to get move, more movies like this. It, it got the eight Oscar noms. I just we're, we're looking glass half empty instead of half, gla, you know, glass half full. I, this is the wrong way to look at it.
0: I agree with you. I. Turned on the big picture um earlier this week as well, and they were talking about this briefly. And Fantasy pointed out that this is kind of similar to the Dark Knight situation. Heath Ledger gets the nod for best supporting actor, but Nolan doesn't get a directing nom. He doesn't get a best picture nom. Um and I kind of see the point there. Um it's interesting that and, and they pointed this out too, that Nolan is like having his comeuppance this year, and kind of the same thing that happened to him is happening again. But again, the the Oscars aren't for these big budget movies. Um, If like Barbie made a a billion dollars and I think it's a phenomenal movie for that. However, Avengers Endgame also made a billion dollars and it didn't get nominated for, uh, I think it got nominated for special effects maybe. But I I agree with you. I think that the world building and everything else is what made this movie special. Not necessarily the, the lead performance, not necessarily the directing.
1: And to your point, For the fans upset that this isn't getting the right Oscar noms, if you will, don't take that to heart. Some of people's favorite movies don't even make you don't even get an Oscar nom. Like you said, this doesn't fit the mold for an Oscar type of movie. And that's okay. A lot of great movies aren't, you know, I I would shrug this off. Barbie was great. It was successful. We're going to get more movies like Barbie. It's okay.
0: So now that we've talked a little bit about the like, I don't know, general populations pick for the biggest snub, I want to hear what your biggest snub is from this Oscars.
1: This one was kind of easy for me. One in my top 10 that I really loved, a small, intimate story, my kind of movie. That's a thousand and one. It should have been nominated for Best Picture. It was one of those deep cuts that could have been an Oscar nom, but wasn't. Uh, Tiana Taylor, she's brilliant in it there's some great supporting performances as well I think that there was some some snubs there not just best picture but in performances as well
0: interesting um my my biggest snub was the score from this year that I've listened to the most since it came out past lives I cannot believe that this didn't get the nom for it I thought that I I know you were a bigger fan of Killers of the Flower Moon score I did not think that was worth nom there i think yeah, that no should have been way swapped with past and lives
1: john williams dial of destiny come on it's just a rehash of everything of the past it was good but it's like nominating you know rise of skywalker for just rehashing all of the tracks from the 70s i'm
0: pretty sure they did when it came out
1: <laughs> yeah did it did it really
0: i believe um Ugh. one of the worst movies to ever be nominated for an oscar um, disgusting now that uh, we've got the, snub, the negatives too
1: um well, not really a snub. That's why I didn't put it on my list. But Mission Impossible, Dead Reckoning was my most played soundtrack of the year. I don't believe it got a nomination. Poor Lorne Balth. Probably
0: could have. Um, and, th- and that's one where it is the what, seventh movie in the franchise. And I feel like that. Uh, who composes those movies? Lorne Balth. I think he brought some new stuff to the table for this one. So a little surprising. Um, he'll,
1: he'll get his flowers eventually. He's very talented. He's kind of like Ludwig where you give it like one more year or maybe like a Nolan movie. He could he could get some buzz.
0: Interesting. Um, what is the thing you were most excited to see um this Oscars?
1: You already brought it up and this is a half joke because I'm not sure he deserved a nomination. Way too corny of a performance, but Ryan Gosling's making fun of Sigmas' getting the Oscar nomination just the Sigma's being recognized I think that was the most exciting thing for the year not in like a hooray but in a in a comical ironic way it was just it put a smile on my face the Sigma's won
0: I actually have been thinking about this a lot recently Um, just because you said hooray why did the Oscars get rid of that like fan voted like stand up and cheer moment of the year or whatever is it because the snyder cut one or <laughs> i
1: think it is i i really think it is because of all the like the the bot votes if that was real
0: mm-hmm. so Fair i enough. don't know. what what do you think wins that this year that's what i'm trying to think of like there hasn't really been any big like exciting moments maybe when uh When Jackie Chan comes, comes and rescues the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like,
1: yeah, I'm trying to think. I mean, all of the chalk picks, I don't know if they're stand up and cheer moments, but like Tom Cruise doing the motorcycle stunt, the the atomic bomb going off, like the detonation scene, some Mm -hmm. cool scene from Spider-Verse you could pick out of, you know, 25 of them, maybe Miguel's entrance. I, I don't know.
0: Spider-Verse, though, I feel like it, as much as we both love it, it was kind of a sad movie. Like, I don't, I didn't find myself really, like, being that excited many times.
1: Yeah, it's because all these, you know, there's no more uppity-up MCU movies to root for. They all suck.
0: (laughs) Fair. Um, my, My biggest excitement is... From a movie I haven't seen yet. I'm going to see this tomorrow American Fiction. Sterling K. Brown, our boy, got nominated for Best Supporting Actor. If he wins, I will be over the moon.
1: It, he's got to be in my top five favorite actors right now. Just a, a stand up guy and always just a standout performance in everything he does. Anytime he pops up on my TikTok, if I see a movie he's coming out in, American Fiction, also on my list because of Sterling Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, He's just—he's a great dude, and he's a great actor. Nothing more um, to say.
0: I'm very excited to see that. Uh, Jeffrey Wright also got nominated for Best Actor. I'm very excited about that, too. The last uh, little category I have for you here, though, is what's, what's your biggest disappointment? What did you see in these Oscar noms that made you sigh?
1: No different than any other year, but still worth addressing. The fact that when I look up the Oscar nominations for Best Picture, a movie is special as Across the Spider-Verse doesn't get the nom. Yes, I know it's it's probably going to win Best Animated Feature, but it just feels wrong to separate live action from animation. We've, we've gone down this rabbit hole so many times where those movies can still be just as special and impactful, and we're, we're beyond the idea of animated movies just being for kids. I think people have finally started to realize that that's not the case, and a movie like Spider-Verse should get its flowers, and... Get a chance to knock off something like an oppenheimer in the best picture race
0: i would have loved to see it um it's bold of you to assume that it's going to beat out elemental though for that for that best animated picture
1: oh my gosh give me a break pixar hopefully inside out 2 is good man this is just they have been on a quite the run of stinkers lately
0: seriously did you see um a quick little side note did you see kung fu panda 4 and despicable me 4 coming from dreamworks
1: Oh yeah, a rehash from the past. I hope they're both great. I really do.
0: I do as well. Um, my biggest disappointment. I kind of had two here. One was that Pixar got a nod for Elementals because <laughs> I just like that's just got to be a studio thing, right? There are better animated movies out there than that. I only heard that it was like okay. Um, but Disney guess...
1: funded the Oscars this year. That's got to be it.
0: It was kind of a a slow year for animated. Uh, pictures though maybe like I remember seeing the the Ruby gilman teenage Kraken thing for however many months in in theaters did you yeah see that? no
1: all I can think about right now is Spider Verse and the Boy and the Heron those are the two mm. that come yeah. to mind obviously Elemental and and Wish don't forget about Wish
0: <laughs> Jesus um the the real biggest disappointment for me though is the lack of access to to the short films so. I'm, I'm going to bring up something from our past here. Uh, last New Year's, you clowned me uh, quite a bit because it was either my third or second favorite movie of the year was a 22-minute short film called Letter to a Pig. This movie is now up for the best animated short film at the Oscars, and your take has aged horribly. But back then you said, nobody knows how to find this movie. How did you see it? And I said, well, I was working for Facets. I got some festival access to this film and it was great. Now I look up letter to a pig and it is an Oscar nominated film and I can't find anywhere to watch it. Like this, this sucks. Um, I've, I've looked for a lot of short films recently from when I was working at facets last time on their selection committee and all of these movies, like they, you can find the trailer for them and you can see them at, at a locked password on Vimeo but you can't actually have any access to seeing these and i feel like it's a no brainer for like amazon to come in and be like a $1 rental even for since it's a, only a 20 minute movie.
1: Right, even if you don't do the like the $1 rental route and you know, let's let's look at it from a different lens. There are so many streaming platforms that are going to die. Netflix is going to take down a lot of these smaller services. Why doesn't a a Peacock or a Tubi or just one of these one-offs that need to hang on for dear life but find a new new niche, you know? Go 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 attack the short film route and and be a resource for dorks like us that want to tap into a just as good art form as a full-length feature film.
0: Exactly. Um my sister actually reached out last year we went and saw all five Oscar animated shorts at the Music Box. They had played like a special program of it and She said she saw the Oscar nominees dropped and she was looking for it on the schedule and they haven't announced one yet, but she's like looking forward to going again. And so even the casual moviegoers, if they see these short films, I feel like it really reaches them. Um, And it's a shame that that we don't have easy access.
1: Just got to give everyone a fair shake. It will be be very interesting to see if that changes in the future. Maybe like a criterion picks it up. I don't I don't know. I don't know what the angle is. Maybe it's a financial thing for some of these companies, but that's just a frustrating thing. Hard to get past.
0: Agreed. Um, all right. If you're if you're ready to dive into some of the things we've watched, I didn't put all of mine on here because I've seen 29 movies because it's the 29th day of the year. I'm trying to keep on my movie a day track this uh, this time, but let's hear your first highlight.
1: So traveling for work is kind of, helped me in a sense. I I've had a lot of opportunity on flights to watch free movies. Kind of sucks that I don't get that theater experience, but I've had a good couple of th- uh, like plane watches which has been fun. Starting with 500 Days of Summer. Now, yes, <laughs> this this is definitely a blast movie. I I for sure felt something, especially in that last 15 minutes. It's just a roller coaster ride of wow, I've felt this before, but mm-hmm. I've seen it from different lenses where I feel like summer or I feel like JGL's character. And I have these, these feelings of sadness, but also joy. I catch myself laughing at all the right beats, but I vividly will always remember the last two scenes where the two of them are sitting on the bench and she drops the bomb on them that I wanted. Basically I wanted to marry this guy and I knew because it was something that I wasn't sure with you ever. Just an ultimate gut punch. Yeah, you know, leaves leaves you choked up, and then immediately jumps to him giving that new girl a fair shake, and it just leaves you feeling good that he's he's back out there and he's gonna find the one that he thought Summer was. So, special watch, but being on a plane kind of tainted it. I'll give it a blast grade of let's say a C plus.
0: I like it. Um, This is a blast movie for me as well, because the expectations versus reality scene absolutely just tore me to shreds um, emotionally and also uh, inspired me in writing. Um, Not many of our listeners know, because this is really just an exclusive thing, but I wrote a short film a couple of years ago. It was produced uh, last spring by Illinois Wesleyan's uh, wonderful film department. And it was like kind of switching back and forth between that split screen style between two kind of alternate timelines of of what could have happened before a breakup. How about
1: that? That's That's where it came from?
0: Yes, and sadly, I could not find it in the script. I was looking like for forever to try and see like how did they write this in a, in a screenplay format? Um, I I had to talk to my professor, and we found like some middle ground on on a way, but it was very difficult to write. Kind of hard to keep track of what was happening on the left side and the right side of some of those scenes, and making sure that it was appropriately timed so that like one scene didn't end earlier, obviously. But a a very good movie, and one that is very special to me for that reason. All
1: I could think about this whole time watching five hundred days of summer, this cute story about love, is wow. This director really, he's really onto something. Maybe he should, uh, maybe he should make a couple Spider Man movies.
0: That is like such an amazing take, and the romance. That's why the romance is so present in those movies. That's the driving force of, of of the Spider Man films, and that's why people don't like them. But to steal the show here for a second and talk about kind of a triple watch real quick so i have been on the hunt to see scooby-doo on zombie island for probably six months because everyone says it's the best one um and i i keep on looking and it's on boomerang plus which would i pay for Deep boomerang cut. plus um but I ended up forking over the money to see this one, and I think I'm going to keep this subscription for a little while on Prime. It's pretty, it's pretty cool. Um, I, I have a question for you. Do you like it in movies or shows that kind of deal with the paranormal, like Scooby-Doo does, where every, every like little thing can be explained down to science and stuff like that? Or do you like it when the skeptics are wrong and it does really turn out to be supernatural?
1: Ooh. Oh, it depends on the story. I just watched a show called The Outsider where everything ben is. Ben Mendelssohn? Yeah, he's great in it, by the way. Have Love you seen it. it. Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. I don't know how I liked the way that story played out, if that answers your question. I think I prefer when stuff is left up to a mystery. You can't explain it.
0: Okay, I, I think I like that. For Scooby Doo on Zombie Island, I don't want to dive too far into spoilers, but. It is revealed that it is like paranormal, like uh, black magic type of stuff. Uh, this takes place in New Orleans, which is a city that's very special to me. And for that reason, I, I think all of these are blast movies um, just because they, they brought me back to different times in my life. Zombie Island brought me back to the band trip uh, to New Orleans, which was one of the best times of my life, um, despite the conflicts that occurred there. The the next one I watched, though, was Where's My Mummy? And this is a blast movie because it took me straight back to the moment that I saw this on opening night when it premiered on Cartoon Network as a kid. <laughs> I will never forget this watch experience. I received a Captain Rex helmet Lego set from uh, Morgan's dad for Christmas, and I built that while I watched Scooby-Doo and Where's My Mummy? And it was one of the most cathartic experiences I've had in probably the last five years. <laughs> Nothing better. There's always those. You know, it's funny.
1: Uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is kind of a blast movie, not because of the movie; it sucked, and I remember it being bad. But I'll always remember buying a like a hundred and ten dollar Lego set that I only half put together because I was too lazy to complete it. Like I was missing a piece. Like oh my so. There's God. like there's always like some weird weird in with movies that make it a blast movie that have nothing to do with the movie itself.
0: So there are the last um, movie I want to touch on very briefly. This, I, I don't think this is a blast movie. Um, this is the Scooby-Doo project. Have you seen this?
1: No, I saw it on your letterbox. It looks like a Blair Witch Project ripoff.
0: Yeah. So I think it was like 2005, but don't quote me on it. Um, Cartoon Network decided that during the commercial breaks of their, like Halloween Marathon, they were going to show uh, the found footage parody of the Blair Witch Project, the Scooby-Doo Project, and it is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen, and I actually think it is the best functioning parody of all time. Is that one also on Boomerang Plus? This is just on YouTube. It's like 15 minutes long. Um, I highly recommend you check it out. I watched Blair Witch with Morgan before that, and so that I think kind of helped drive everything home. But it's like the, the characters are in the w- real life woods. They go into like the Blair Witch house and sh- Shaggy's standing in the corner um, like, like they do in the movie. But it's, it's not like an over the top parody. It's uh, like when they ask him, Shaggy, why are you standing in the corner? He goes, like, I'm hungry, man. <laughs> yeah.
1: there's, been, there's been a lack of backrooms content. I think this is a, a good alternative for me.
0: I, I really think you'd enjoy it, even though it's not a blast movie.
1: All right. I'll I'll, I'll put it on my radar. Uh, another movie I got to tap into, I, I mentioned I watched 500 Days of Summer on the Plane. I had a couple more hours to kill, so right after that, I saw that they were offering Inception for free on my American flight. I haven't seen Inception in a while, so it's funny. I I was always a an interstellar as a blast movie, but not Inception. I always just respected Inception, but... This time, watching, I, I really turned the corner. I think I was wound up emotionally because of Five Hundred Days of Summer. It's a little bit in the feels. So, Dom and Mall's unraveling of their relationship and what truly happened kind of ripped me to shreds this time. But that wasn't the only reason. You know, th- those feelings weren't the only reason. It's a blast movie. I just I found myself smiling so much. I I love the revolving hallway scene, and that was something I always respected. But it just put a smile on my face to see something like that. And just see this world that Nolan built and just it made me feel good. It made me feel like, wow, this is what a original story feels like. I can't wait to show my kid this movie. It just it was a special watch, even for being on a plane. So I think, again, it being on a plane, I could barely hear the movie I'm watching with subtitles that taints it just a bit. But that last 10 minutes time by Hans Zimmer's plane I've got the goosebumps. I'm smiling. I'm so happy that Dom gets to see his kids. I'm giving this a B-blast grade. I, I had a great watch. It's finally on my blast movie list.
0: It's it's funny that um, Mal and... What's Leo's character's name?
1: Dom Cobb.
0: Yeah, Mal and Cobb's relationship is what makes it a blast movie for you. For me, it's uh, Cillian Murphy's realization uh, from his oh. dad when he opens up that safe. That is one of my favorite movie moments, I think, of all time.
1: So good. I definitely was melting during that scene. Because the whole movie, Killian Murphy's talking about my father, his dying words were, I I couldn't quite, I didn't know what he was making out, but he he managed to get one word out, disappointed. And Mm -hmm. he always thought that he was just disappointed in his son for doing his own thing, but it turns out that his dad truly was disappointed because his son didn't forge his own path. And he, he's, he's loved his son and just wanted him to do what was best for, his, for himself. And that realization moment is truly beautiful. And just the music swelling up, Killian Murphy kills it in that scene, the like windmill toy that he made mm-hmm. as a kid. Oh, such a good scene. Such a beautiful. good scene.
0: Beautiful. Uh, My buddy tried to get me down to U of I, but I couldn't make it on Wednesday. Interstellar was showing in theaters and I I can't believe I couldn't make it, man.
1: Oh, that's one I wish I saw in theaters, man. There's so many, but Inception, Interstellar, just these grand Nolan movies that I missed out on.
0: All right. Um, My next watch is The Ritual by David Bruckner. Um, This is, one that I haven't really liked as much in the past, but really resonated with me this time. For the listeners who don't know, I recently lost my best friend, and the ritual starts with a very horrifying scene, arguably the the scariest of the movie, where this guy walks into a liquor store with his best friend, and he, uh, the the main character, is hiding behind a shelf while his friend gets uh, shot because. He won't give his wedding ring up um, during the robbery. Very sad scene, and the rest of the movie is kind of these the the group of friends trying to go and honor um, their their lost friends in their own way, and they stumble into I think it's the Swedish like wilderness, and a bunch of weird stuff starts happening to them. But this is. I think this is a blast movie for me right now because it, one, brought me into a different way to to feel grief and made me think about how horror movies can be more. Um, As much as we talk about movies can be more on this pod, I feel like sometimes we don't give horror a fair shake. A lot of the time it's just this horror movie was really fun um, and gave me a couple of good scares. But horror as a medium to to convey deeper meanings, I think is, is very underrated.
1: The first thing that comes to mind is midnight mass that mm-hmm. that's seen on the boat. We don't need to get into the, into the specifics. I hope our listeners just turn it on and cry themselves, but <laughs> you bring up a great point and it's something that I have thought for many years and that movies are a tool to help us connect and not just identify, but really tap into our emotions. Like It makes me happy that you watched a, you know, random horror movie and now have this newfound way of of coping with with this loss. It it just It's amazing what this art form can do for people. I think it's it's special. It always has been. And this is just what blast and what movies is all about to me.
0: Agreed. Um this movie also brought me back to a very specific time this is a netflix original from about 2017 back when netflix like allowed directors to make movies look good instead of just like cut and paste their color grading and all their editing and shit on there um it's genuinely shot amazingly david bruckner hasn't really uh hit home in his recent releases for me uh, the night house i think had some very powerful messages at the beginning but it I think it kind of fell apart in the second half. That um, this movie I actually think was really phenomenal. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my friend, Cal. This is his favorite movie. Uh, every time I watch it with somebody else or recommend it, I tell him, Hey man, watching the ritual. And he's like, Oh, let's go. And he has the monster. Do you know what that looks like? The monster. I do. Movie? I do. Yeah. He has a tattooed, I think on his thigh and it's like, a very cool tattoo, but one that I would never be brave enough to get.
1: Imagine explaining that to some some girl you just met, or like you're on a, a second date, you finally get lucky, and she she finally asks, like, what the hell is going on here? What, what is this? That might be a deal breaker for most for most girls. At least he'll weed out the bad ones. He's gonna find his wife pretty fast. First one to like that tattoo.
0: His most recent tattoo is maybe crazier. Um, it's it's another one that looks so sick, but is just one that I could never be brave enough to get. It is across his entire chest through stomach, and it is a biblically accurate angel. Oh dear. Yeah, it's oh, uh, dear. it's massive, and it looks awesome, dude. But I just could never like he he said halfway through it, he had to go to the bathroom to throw up from how bad it hurt, So. Oh, my
1: gosh. No, man, yeah. I'm, I'm like a 12-year-old at heart still. I, I don't have it in me to get inked up. I don't, I don't have the build yet. I need to put on like 200 pounds of muscle mass or it just – it wouldn't look right on me. I'm too, I'm too frail.
0: What's it going to take to get the Blast tattoo?
1: Ooh, you know what? Before the Blast tattoo, I got to get a Cyborg tat. That's the only – that's where I would – that's the only thing I would get tattooed on me, the I'm not broken, I'm not alone. Then Blast oh. second. And I'll just get the jar right here, like replacing the tears. I'll just get a, a jar of tickets.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say um, for for the cyborg tattoo. I thought you were envisioning like the eye over over one of your eyelids. That would be, be a cool. good
1: look. I'll yeah. um I'll bring that up to the future misses and see what she thinks.
0: I before we move on to uh, to your next movie, Ty. I want to point out that producer Jack has chimed in in the chat here and said the ink is for real men, not Ty.
1: <laughs> I can't knock him he's so right i'm not a man. Thank you, <laughs> producer jack I'll see you right after this pod. <laughs> All right. My next movie watch this one this one I wish I had you know a theater experience for it's clearly something special, great writing, great performances, just a feel good watch and that's Ladybird. I watched this on a train ride to Chicago, had an hour and a half to kill. How perfect. This movie's 90 minutes. It is swift. but just a perfect telling of a just a random high school girl going through it. and mm-hmm. I found myself laughing, smiling, getting emotional at all the right beats. It was just a fun watch, but that that one blast moment uh, is essentially just the last 10 minutes of her going to, going off to college her mom driving off her going through college for like a five minute montage, her going through alcohol poisoning and then calling her mom, explaining what it's like driving through Sacramento and it cutting between the daughter and the mother driving in Sacramento and reliving all of their memories and appreciating their town that I wish I just saw it on the big screen. I would probably would have melted, but still a good watch. I'll give it a C plus shocker Greta Gerwig is phenomenal I I cannot wait to see whatever she puts out next
0: I have a quick blast story for this one the first time I watched this movie and I think it's sitting in around 80 in my top 100 right now Um, I turned this on with my mom in the room and it starts with um, Ladybird, Bird uh, Saoirse Ronan's character jumping out of the car because she's so annoyed (laughs) by her mom talking and I was dying laughing through the scene. I don't, I, it's hard to remember a time where I've laughed at a movie harder than that. And I look over at my mom and she's just. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not having it. Not having it. Being a mom about it. Uh, yeah.
0: Okay. Before Very we move funny. on,
1: what, what is that actress's name you just mentioned? I don't know how to pronounce her name. Sersha. Sersha Ronan. Sersha. She is so talented. So oh, yeah. talented. I think that was oh, the first yeah. time I've seen her. Really? Uh, Little Women, maybe? I haven't seen Little Women either. Mm-hmm. So, like, again, I got to do the, the Gerwig grind. I'm almost done. Like It's just she's got the three movies, right? The Trifecta, Little Women, uh, Lady Bird, and Barbie.
0: Frances Ha as well. I'm not sure. I Jeez. think she has wow, another she one, too. too, but I'm not positive.
1: Okay. Frances I Ha, I believe she
0: also stars in. Okay.
1: Good to know. I, I couldn't call it, but just... I think magnetic is the only word I could use to describe her. She's brilliant in this movie. She
0: is she's one of my favorites, but you know I also just love any Irish actor or actress.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that's a that's a quick uh stamp of approval for Steve. Mm-hmm.
0: Um okay, the next the next next movie watch is kind of a string of events that that happened one night. So I had uh one of my friends over and he is like the most interested in film out of my friends besides you. And he's like kind of slowly introducing himself to more and more uh, like out there kind of things. And so I was looking at uh secret brand clothing um, and they had a ton of battle Royale sweatshirts. And I was like, how have I never seen this movie? I'm going to turn it on. All their other sweatshirts were like Bateman and stuff. So I'm like, this has to be good. Uh <laughs> And it is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen in my entire life. It is so good, so funny. Um, it's it's very, very dark humor. I I think you might enjoy it. Um, you don't really have any issue with subtitles, do
1: you? Oh, you know me, man. I'm king subtitles. My my roommate, producer Jack, gets so frustrated with me because anytime we're we sit down for Saturday night, Saturday Night TV, I want subtitles and he doesn't. I see a comment in the chat. I know he's about to say some say some bullshit. But yeah. He said I hate them. <laughs> yeah. I love subtitles. Um so yeah, I have no problem. Is it a foreign movie?
0: It is. Yeah. It's from Japan, I believe. Yeah, Japan. Um the concept is uh that this like the Japanese overpopulation and stuff kind of forced the government into making a law for uh this like yeah, to put one class of students into a battle royale competition and it's very strange it is i i, I don't know i mean without this movie we probably don't get fortnite so uh, you you beat me by two
1: seconds i wanted to ask that question what came first the chicken or the egg uh, battle royale or fortnite
0: yeah this came out in 2000 so i Perfect. believe it also inspired the hunger games um which then in turn inspired PUBG and Fortnite and all that. Um, Very interesting watch, though. I don't know if it's a blast movie. I I don't think I really learned anything from it. I definitely didn't feel anything, but it was just a very fun watch. Um, However, later in the night, uh, me and my buddy, we were slightly inebriated, and he's like, let's watch Mad Max Fury Road. I'm like, okay. Have you seen this? You know what's funny?
1: No, I haven't.
0: I haven't either. No way. Wow. Okay. So you're not going to like guilt me for it. No, I'm not. It's, it's never really appealed to me, but the way it is shot is basically like super fast motion and then slow-mo and then haunting like um, imagination things. And it's very disorienting. And he was just like losing his mind. He was like, I'm going to throw up if we keep watching this, let's change it. What do you think he suggests to change it to? (laughs) Oh gosh. Everything everywhere. (laughs) cowboys and aliens (laughs) (laughs) even better it is one of the funniest movies i've ever seen in my life um harrison ford gives i think the greatest line delivery i've ever seen (laughs) daniel craig i think says they're after the aliens are after our gold (laughs) and harrison ford says what are they gonna do buy something (laughs) thanks john favreau thanks is this the one where
1: Daniel Craig has like a full on hand cannon that he Mm -hmm. stole from the aliens? Oh yeah. This is an all time classic. This is, I think this is approaching my top 10 of all time.
0: It's got a really weirdly good cast. So it has, um, Olivia Wilde. She's the don't worry, darling one, right? Yeah. It's got her. It's got Daniel Craig. It's got Harrison Ford. Um, I think it's got the, who's the like classic cowboy guy, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott's in it. I'm pretty sure he's in it. Paul Dano's in it. It is like an unbelievably loaded <laughs> cast directed by Jon Favreau in one of the most unwatchable pieces of shit I've ever seen in my life.
1: <laughs> Everyone's just having a good time making this movie. That yeah. is
0: awesome. Sam Rockwell's in it. Sam Rockwell, that's who I'm thinking of, actually.
1: Yeah, Walton Goggins. Sam Elliott is Tombstone. Talk about a great blast movie there. I haven't watched it in a while, but that's a special one.
0: So all that said, Cowboys and Aliens, I don't think it can be a blast movie, but the night as a whole is, because this is just one of the funniest, like, let's change it to this ever. (laughs) What a transition.
1: Well, if only you had transitioned to my next blast movie. And for the 15th time, I threw on Across the Spider-Verse. And this movie has just the craziest legs ever. Every single time I watch it, it's special. Gwen's intro, the cold, the cold opening. I'm I'm glued to the screen for the next two and a half hours. There this is just the perfect escape movie. Talk about a blast movie, like feeling something. You are teleported into the Spider-Verse in the first couple frames and you're locked in the whole time. It just like from a feelings perspective, you get it all. You're you're smiling, you're you're laughing, you're crying, you know. You get the goosebumps when Miles and Gwen are upside down um, in New York City. You get emotional when Rio is talking to Miles about protecting her little boy. There's just all these magical scenes that you keep coming back to. But this most recent watch, I I think a big thing about blast movies is learning something, taking away Mm -hmm. something from a movie. I think this is the first Spider-Man movie where maybe I'm just at the right age or I was really dialed in this time thinking about it, but with great power comes great responsibility. This concept that Spider-Man has been all about for the last couple of decades, it really hit home on this one that everyone thinks that, like has the Miguel framework of with great power comes great responsibility. I need to sacrifice everything because that's the right thing to do. But Miles is in the right here he is acting like Spider-Man. He is with great power comes great responsibility. Yes, the canon may be disrupted. I, I have to make a choice because that's what's supposed to happen. Everyone else has made this choice. No, I need to turn left. I need to do what I know in my heart is right. I, I have the capacity to save the multiverse and my father all at once, and I'm going to give it my best effort. I think this encapsulated what Spider-Man is supposed to be and what that quote and theme is supposed to represent the best out of any Spider-Man
0: movie. I completely, I completely agree with you. Um, This is absolutely a blast movie in every way. And I got to say Morgan's little brother really killed it at Christmas this year. Oh, the the across the spider verse, blu ray. Stop it. I am so, so pumped to watch these deleted scenes. um, And, I I haven't gotten to it yet, but there's 90 minutes of special features on this Blu-ray. That is like the telltale of one of the best uh, additions to my collection.
1: I'm so jealous. I think Spider-Verse, the same way Blade Runner 2049, a great blast movie for me. That movie transitioned me from DVD to Blu-ray. I'm like, look, this movie is eye candy. I want to get in the best quality I can. Spider-Verse may be the movie that jumps me from Blu-ray to 4K. Seeing you with that. Oh, my gosh, man. I This movie is just, it's radiating in color and just oomph. I want to see every frame in perfection.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that's why it's so rewatchable, too, is that every frame I feel like I'm searching everywhere for all those minor details that they include, whether it be like a poster on Miles' wall or the little billboard in the background of one of the swinging scenes that says, like, soda, a generic brand, like... all all of these little Easter eggs and and fun things are in there. And you can really tell that this is a movie that the people who made cared about it, um, which is, I feel like more and more rare these days.
1: An easy a plus blast movie. It is, it's one of the greats. It, there's nothing else to be said.
0: Absolutely. Um, my next movie is also a blast movie. I'm giving it an a, um, And this is one that I kind of questioned after watching it. Like, why am I doing this to myself? Because emotionally it hit me so hard. Um, This is, have you seen this movie? Stand by me. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. Great movie. Awesome. Um, This is river Phoenix, Corey Feldman, um, Kiefer Sutherland plays the bully in it. And Will Wheaton is the main kid. Uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the last guy, but one of the most beautiful movies ever and also a testament to Stephen King as a writer outside of horror um but the 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 line that that hit me and it's stuck around since I watched it this ends with the narrator finishing off the story he's been writing on some old like 1990s computer that just has like the black screen with green text while he's writing it. it says I never had friends like the ones I had when I was 12 years old hell does anyone and it's it it just hit me like a truck man it rings true and
1: it's so funny that a movie made what it's now 40 years old close to I think it i so I'm sure. yeah like i think that's one of the most iconic lines in almost any movie and it's because everyone has learned from it everyone has had that that realization that even if you have the same friends from when you were 12 it just it's never the same. You can't ride your bike around town and go to a convenience store and grab Skittles and Arnold Palmer's and have gut rot all day and have no responsibilities. Just being kids. It's not just about the friends you have at 12. It's the memories and the experiences you have at 12. I think Stand By Me, that is what's always struck uh, me.
0: Yeah. Um, for, for me throughout the movie, what hit me the most is watching the, the small moments where you can see which of these kids, uh, kind of identifies with each other and, and why, um, with the story or with the, the scene that I'm thinking of the most right now is Will Wheaton and River Phoenix's characters fighting because Will Wheaton says he doesn't want to go into the honors classes because he's not going to see any of his other friends anymore. Uh, which is something that I absolutely went through besides AJ because you guys just as smart as me. Um, but he, he starts yelling at him. It's kind of like a Ben Affleck goodwill hunting thing with like a, if, if you're in these classes with me, I'm going to kick your ass. Um, it's 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 this guy wants to see his friend succeed so much and um it's it's special when you have relationships like that they they mean the world to you and even though some of the guys that i was close with at 12 years old i don't talk to anymore i'll still remember building cardboard boats and doing all sorts of dumb shit with them
1: stand by me drives that home absolutely mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, all right, so, you I ready mean, to take this away so I don't get sad?
1: Yeah, yeah, pump the brakes here, man. I'll I'll pivot away from a movie I don't think you're that big of a fan of, but recently, again, I, I've been watching more movies, but I haven't had a lot of opportunities to go to the theater. It's January. It's a dead month anyways. I have this crazy DVD collection, and I finally got a Blu-ray player so I can play all of them in my room. Woo! So middle of the day, I, I watched two movies, so I'll, I'll – I'll backpack it, but A Few Good Men was the first one. This, nothing new here with this watch. I mean, yes, Cruz is magnetic. Nicholson gives a great performance. It, there's just a courtroom movie. Courtroom scenes in this are just perfect. I I love this movie, but it just always brings back a memory of watching movies with my dad as a kid. We used to, you know, drive to the library once a week. He'd pick out I think what he would consider his blast movies, the ones that always struck home for him, and a few good men was on his list, made me watch it. we sat down and watched it together and watching this movie at yeah, you know twenty three now, just reliving that memory of watching it with him made it a special watch if that makes sense. I'm sure you've had those where you can look back and remember an experience as you're rewatching a movie it's just it's oh, a absolutely. fun thing to do, mm-hmm. yeah, so you know, pair that memory up with a just another great watch. I mean, This is absolutely a blast movie. It always will be. Uh, I'll, I'll give this a, a B-plus watch. And in the same light, I was just mentioning, I watched A Few Good Men. I watched another one of my dad's blast movies. That's Rounders. For anyone that's oh. listened to this pod, I have just the greatest story with this movie. I just mentioned that my dad... Used to go to the library with me and find movies, and you know usually when they're on the shelf, those are the ones you pick out of. But he was so adamant that we watch Rounders. It was like, dude, this is one of my favorite movies all time, rewatchable. Before the concept of the rewatchables in that pod, he was talking about like, dude, if this movie was on, you you would just sit down and watch the rest. It's one of those, gotta watch it. Didn't have it at either one of the library locations in our hometown, so when we got to the second location and they didn't have it. He had them request it to be sent to the 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 library. It came in like two and a half, three weeks later. It didn't have the original case. It looked like one of those fake cases you would get at GameStop, like a used used <laughs> yeah, one with yeah. like a black and gray cover. Put it on. It was just at the time I didn't really appreciate it because I was proud, I was no older than 12 years old. What the <laughs> fuck is poker? I don't understand. Why Mike lost this hand with his full house, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. But now as I get older, I play poker with my buddies all the time. This movie just keeps evolving. You know, I pair it up with this memory of watching with my dad, but now I can pair it up with memories of watching with my roommates or all my buddies on Thursday night poker. Like, all right, we're starting. I'm firing up rounders. Let's let's have a great time. It just this movie will forever be a blast movie it doesn't matter where I'm watching it. I'll always tie it back to those memories.
0: All right. I I don't want to get too dark on you here because I left this movie off of my my selection for a reason. But uh, one of the Letterboxd reviews I posted recently, I actually got a few likes and it was on a ghost story for Ugh. a similar reason. And all I said was the best movies change with us. And I think you're doing a great job of summarizing that. I, I feel like... There are certain movies like like Rounders or like a ghost story. This is the only time those two movies will ever be in the same conversation Um, (laughs) (laughs) that just like you. You can appreciate something new every time and you can you can find something special in every watch with them.
1: Yeah, it's not even just that, too, of like peeling back the layers. It's also as you get older, go through more life experiences, you can you can peel back the layers that you didn't know about. When mm-hmm. you were younger, it wasn't that you weren't attentive. It was just you didn't dive into those. You, you didn't have a way to connect. You didn't have a way to peel back, you know?
0: Uh, I, I apologize for laughing a little bit there. I, I think you're making a great point. Producer <laughs> Jack just said, <laughs> or like the Tiffany Christmas movie for me from the draft. Yeah. And Jack, uh, to clarify, we are not talking about peeling back those types of layers. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: Uh, come All on right. producer oh, God. We're, we're we're getting deep here and he's talking about i mean gosh who were the the smoke shows he were talking about in that movie
0: i have no idea who they I were it was Just, zoe deutsch and oh, he's he knows yeah, off, he's got it rib. he's
1: got it he's got it on deck <laughs> unbelievable
0: right. um my next my next watch i have to give a quick fuck you to tie for um because this is a cure for wellness is this a blast movie (laughs) no (laughs) (laughs) no i'll never forget it uh so throughout the like year and a half that we've been doing this pod Ty has often told me about this one time that he watched a cure for wellness with his girlfriend in high school and how it's an unforgettable experience for him. And it's totally a blast movie. So I figured that that meant it was a good movie to watch (laughs) with your girlfriend. I put it on with Morgan on Saturday night. I think it was. And just watched her like horrors un- unfold um <laughs> the two scenes that stick out to me most uh and i'm not going to talk about the one um <laughs> but there is one where mia goth is just in a bathtub full of eels really weird uh doesn't make much sense and the the second one is dane dehan getting a tube shoved Straight down his throat and then flooded with water, uh, with eels in it. Weird that Dane DeHaan has such a connection with eels. Um, <laughs> with this in Spider-Man Two, but just I don't know, man. Why? Why would you lead me down this path? Hey,
1: you know what? You can you can hate me all you want. You are never gonna forget this watch ever because I mine is not only is the movie seared in my brain but that date night is seared in my brain. I'm sorry that I didn't clarify that. It went horribly wrong. Um I should have I should have made that uh, clear. That's my bet.
0: Dane DeHaan in this movie is also like entering the situation as Patrick Bateman. Um Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you realize this but the first uh scene we see Dane DeHaan and he's on a train and he's like typing away at his computer just smashing Nicorette gum and he's on the phone the conductor's like taking his ticket the conductor's like business or pleasure and <laughs> Dane DeHaan has that same Bateman look of I will rip out your spleen <laughs> uh, and he just goes seriously And then, like, goes back to typing. It's one of the funniest, one of the most emotional scenes Dane DeHaan has ever put put together. Um, How did that guy get a role in Oppenheimer? How did he get a role in any movie, man? This is, (laughs) like, one of the most untalented big-time actors I've ever seen. Is it not?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's not even like he's just an attractive guy. He's the biggest goober ever.
0: What's, What's
1: the value prop? Help me understand it.
0: I don't know. I I truly don't know. Maybe it was like that '90s, like kind of grunge look. Like he looks like he belongs in Portland.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Portland slander and then the blast pod. Jeez.
0: All right, oh, um, that is yeah. too bad. I'm never so, forgiving you for this one.
1: I'm sorry. I'll I'll reel it back in with with a good memory. With a good memory here, and this is a this is a fun blast movie for me. And I don't know if it counts as a blast movie because I didn't really watch it. That's that's no hard feelings. Now mm-hmm. we're getting a little PG thirteen for our listeners. I'm sure there's plenty of uh, uh, underage people listening, but I like pump the brakes, maybe hit the pause button. But I uh, I was on a date this weekend in Chicago, <laughs> and um, we got we went back to her place after a couple drinks, and we were just chopping it up. I was looking to put on across the Spider-Verse because I'm ready to lock in for a movie. And she said, no, that's that's not gonna work. We we need something that's I can turn my brain off and watch. So I put on No Hard Feelings, the Jennifer Lawrence rom com that came out mm-hmm. last year. Um, it's a blast movie though, because I didn't watch a single minute of the movie. We like moved to a different room within five minutes of the movie starting. So it like brought me back to, you know. High school, like throwing on mean girls and not watching Mm. a lick. So I'll always remember no hard feelings and never watching it.
0: There you go, man. Um, (laughs) Nothing to be said. All right. (laughs) Producer Jack says, bro fucks, congrats. Uh, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Last experience. Okay. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Let me bring the mood back down for a second, and is I, th- I think that's your last movie, is it not?
1: Oh, I'm done. I'm done. All
0: right. Let me rip two back-to-back here. So the first one is a 15-minute short film called Mean Borda. I believe it's Swedish. Um, blast Grade A, absolutely, this is a blast movie. Um, this is, I think, the second or third movie that was on my training schedule for the first time that I worked on Facet's selection committee. And it is one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen and absolutely taught me something and made me feel things. Um, this is, I, I it's, it's so impossible to describe because I know you haven't seen this movie. I checked before we, we started potting and I think that's good because I want to give you a brief play by play here of this 15 minute film. So we start off seeing claymation uh, fish. <laughs> At a hotel called Hotel Longstay. And it is a hotel where you go if nobody wants you or you don't want to be around anyone and you stay forever. And this is musical, the fish thing about how nobody wants to be around them because they have bad skin and because uh, they were telling them how to live their lives, blah, 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 blah hard cut <laughs> to two mice uh cleaning up <laughs> cleaning up a fast food restaurant um a- on a night shift they're sweeping up and then they start tap dancing together <laughs> um and one of them like they're they're going on the table they're throwing the trash as like confetti um great scene another hard <laughs> cut to <laughs> a group of telemarketing monkeys <laughs> um That are talking about how they have their own wants and needs that um, they can't, they feel like they can't fulfill. (laughs) And then the last, the last uh, quarter of the story, I guess, is this dog (laughs) who's working at a convenience store stocking shelves. And he has one of the funniest lines to start off his segment. He says, last night I had the most terrible dream. It was just like right now, only it was a dream, (laughs) just like every day. (laughs) And he watches a hole open up in the bottom of the grocery store. And then all of these groups of animals start joining together in a chorus to sing about how once the world ends, the burden of life will be lifted from their shoulders.
1: Dude, do I need to like watch this off acid or something? I'm I'm missing something. There's one <laughs> I, element that's not right. What What's not right? No, like I think I need to watch this high. I, I think it would make it better.
0: <laughs> I think you would be incredibly weirded out. the The singing is all like insane too. Um, like the the monkeys when they start singing are like can I tell you about our money back guarantee it's like insane falsetto really off pitch uh very strange and a movie that I've shown to like five different people now because it is available on YouTube Oh no, highly, highly recommend it um but the first time I watched it I remember just thinking like how is this concept that's so goofy it's it's four groups of claymation animals talking about the end of the world like it, it it feels profound when you see this um because you're you're watching these people in their humdrum lives and they've all kind of given up it feels like the mice when they finish tap dancing um just look insanely sullen and go back to cleaning up the floors uh The dog is obviously very depressed if he's (laughs) having horrible dreams about what it's like in real life. Um, And the monkeys can't care for their own wants and needs. It's all like things that I think each and every one of us feel on like a weekly basis is just a fleeting thought and dismiss it. And they turn this into an apocalyptic like kind of space opera. It's insane. This is a lot to unpack. So another fifteen minute YouTube short
1: I need to find. So Scooby Doo yes. and Min Borda, mm-hmm. okay, both on the list. This is like a it's like a night in Dallas for me. You know, I get back from a long day of work, socializing <laughs> for twelve hours, busting my ass for for stakeholders. I can just finally put on some YouTube before my my night's over.
0: Awesome, this will um, work. All right, and the last thing I wanted to talk about on this pod—I went a little out of order to avoid it, so we could save it for last—is that Morgan and I watched *Empire Strikes Back*, *Return of the Jedi*, and the entire sequel trilogy, rounding out her first Star Wars saga watch. Um, she actually went back and rewatched Episode Three on her own when I was uh, when she went back to school, and I was very happy about that. But I don't think I need to explain why Star Wars is a blast movie, do I? Or like,
1: I think you can just you know put a period at the end of the sentence. It yeah. is a blast movie. Call it a it day. It is. Uh,
0: this is an A plus and an A plus watch uh, through. But I wanted to to share Morgan's ranking with you because I don't know how you're gonna feel about it. So oh no, coming in at last place, and we watched um, episode two through nine, including Rogue One. Uh, but we skipped Phantom Menace and Solo. Uh, Starting at number nine, we have Rise of Skywalker. We both agree this is the worst one, correct?
1: A hundred percent. Disgusting.
0: Then number eight is Last Jedi.
1: You can wrap this one up, all right? Don't worry about it. Let me know if you need me, all right? Okay.
0: Yeah. Um All right. Number seven is the force awakens. (laughs) Ty has now turned his camera off for those who are listening. He has put his mic down and turned his camera off. He's given up because he can't accept that the last Jedi, although a fairly decent standalone movie with okay moments at times is one of the worst crimes to ever happen to a franchise. We both love, um, coming in at number seven is the force awakens. Um, and Ty, if you're still listening, I'm not sure if you are, Morgan was kind of a fan of this one, and I think it would have been higher on our list if Finn would have become a Jedi. Uh, but as we both know, The Last Jedi nixed that plot line. So, tough. So frustrating.
1: Do you think that The Force Awakens ends up being like a top three Star Wars movie if they like fulfill all the promises of that movie?
0: I think it becomes top five, but I think that then episode eight and nine are top three
1: yeah 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 Uh, the what ifs with this i uh, i i i get like a nervous tick you know how like in the winter soldier and captain america civil war bucky like loses it when he hears like his five trigger words Mm -hmm. that's when i that's what happens to me when i think of all the what ifs of that sequel
0: trilogy it's really a shame and I mentioned this briefly I did want to get your take on it because we talked a little bit but I think The Last Jedi got overly hated when it came out because of the Luke stuff when in reality the problems in this movie are all Finn and Rose related I think that the side plots um, including everything with Holdo just make kind of no sense and feel like just a big time waster in a movie that's already a little too long
1: yeah I could I could make my case and give my justifications but it's hard to argue with that. I understand the the Canto bite hate. I get it, but I think all of the great stuff they do with Luke, with Kylo, even with Ray, I that stuff outweighs the bullshit, in my opinion. But I, I, we're not. I'm not. We're not here to talk about me. I want to hear more about Morgan's Star Wars thoughts.
0: Um, I, I did not mention the last Jedi, her favorite part was the Porgs and her least favorite part, I think was Leia coming back. Um, and I think that's partially because I did explain to her after the movie that uh, Carrie Fisher had died by the time the movie came out. And again, that just feels like one of the strangest decisions of all time um, to have her come back instead of having a meaningful death there. Uh,
1: but, like, oh, that's we we just need to, you know what? I, I'll sit here and talk for like 40 minutes. But can you blame Ryan Johnson for like how shitty would that have been to be like, hey, Carrie Fisher died, let's just write her off in post production?
0: Like, but the moment I think works, like, in general, I don't think she should have been in the movie after that, anyways. Um, Like, the think- moment of watching Kylo. Fail to pull the trigger to kill his mom, and then having the tie fighter come through and kill her instead, I think could have been a huge like that. That's the moment that's missing for me in Kylo turning kind of to the light side. Is is that pain that he would have felt, but she survives through it, and it feels like it takes a lot of the meaning away.
1: Here's my counter. I I, I like that take though. It works for Kylo's arc, but we wouldn't get a Luke and Leia moment it later in the movie. So, and I think that's one of the better scenes in the movie is when they finally reunite Mm. because we never got Luke and Han. I'm glad that we got Luke and Leia before Luke passed on. That's my only, that's my only counter. I get it. Okay.
0: Um, We just need to have a star Wars pod and actually like fully discuss our thoughts on all these movies because we have a lot of them. Um, Mm -hmm. Coming in at number six is A New Hope. Uh, this one was kind of underwhelming for her, I think because we had started with the prequels in Rogue One and the special effects kind of turned her off afterwards. Star Wars, as a, like the, the first one as a, as a movie itself, I think works fairly well, but it is it does kind of pale in the comparison to the others.
1: Yeah, I, I've never been a New Hope guy. I mean, okay, I've respected A New Hope, but i've never been able to like watch it and be like this is this is fucking awesome. I don't mm-hmm. get that. I get that with empire, i get that with jedi. I was never a new hope guy.
0: There's one moment in a new hope that has always stuck out to me and that is Luke looking at the binary sunset. I think that's one of the best scenes in Star Wars.
1: Yeah, fair enough. But it's it's dated in almost all of the wrong ways. I think there's there's a couple scenes too that don't quite make sense. I think they they hint towards a Luke and Leia, you know, maybe love story at times. Mm-hmm. It gets a little uncomfy, but they bring that back in empire. So I, I don't know. There's just, I could nitpick it, but I respect a new hope. I don't feel like dunking
0: on it. All right. After that, at number five, the middle spot, we have rogue one. I think this is the last of the ones that she wasn't a huge fan of. Um, and, I'm surprised by it. I would have thought she would have liked Rogue One more. Um, I still think you need to rewatch that to to revisit it, but she just didn't really connect with the characters. Um, and I think that not seeing this movie for the first time and watching Darth Vader come onto the big screen for the first time in your life also has a big impact on your rating of this movie.
1: Agreed. I mean, that I didn't love Rogue One when it came out, but that's a that was a top three star Wars movie instantly. Like you Mm -hmm. left the theater and was like, okay, that might be the coolest thing I've ever seen.
0: Yep. Exactly. Um, I get it. After that, we have empire strikes back. This one underwhelmed her a little bit because uh, she knew that Vader was Luke's father. Obviously everybody does, but she really loved the AT because she said they looked like funny machine dogs. Um, And I think she—it was cool to watch her uh, round out the original trilogy because to start off, she really hated Han, and by the time we got to Force Awakens, she was like devastated. And it's a testament to how much growth he goes through in Episode Five and Six. That's Um,
1: that's an awesome story. Like I wish we'll have to do a deeper dive into this because like there's nothing better than showing someone Star Wars and watching them grow with the characters the same way you did or having the same reactions that you did. That's that's special. I noticed you haven't said Attack of the Clones yet, so I'm sure she made your fucking day when she said she liked that movie.
0: I can't believe it. Uh, yeah, number three is Attack of the Clones. Um, this is high even by my standards, um, but I, when I texted this, this list to Jake, uh, he said that Morgan must have a crush on Natalie Portman and he can't blame her. And... <laughs> I feel that I think she just liked the romance aspects of it. Um, she had a good time laughing at some of it. This is also probably the biggest role Yoda has, I think, in a movie. Um, she was a big fan of him. She, I don't know. I, I I think this one just really tickled her fancy. I guess I don't. I, I, there's not much of an explanation for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm glad she's happy. I mean, this. This hovers around that that bottom spot with Rise of the Sky Rise of Skywalker for me. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, whatever floats your boat.
0: Um, coming in at number two though is one of your favorites, Return of the Jedi. I am Damn so right. glad she loved this movie, and the reason is because she didn't know the twists of Return of the Jedi
1: whoa really so
0: she went in not knowing that and spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen this movie from 1983 she went in not knowing that vader was going to die or that vader was going to save luke um oh my gosh some of the best star wars i just got goosebumps imagine like not knowing that exactly right like i feel like i can't even remember when i saw this for the first time and, and and watched that happen um
1: oh that's so cool Oh, I wish I could. Oh, to be able to do that again. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Right? That's yeah, so cool. It's,
0: it's awesome. Um, she loved the I'm a Jedi like my father before me, as we all do. It's the and- best.
1: It, that, is, that is my I'm putting it in. I'm locking it in. That is my number one favorite Star Wars scene ever. When Luke rages on Vader and stops himself. It's the best scene in Star Wars.
0: I think it's top three. Um, behind Binary Sunset and one from her number one pick which I'm sure you've all figured out by now is Revenge of the Sith my number one Star Wars scene is Anakin crying, looking out the window and interspliced with Padme also crying and looking out her window I think George Lucas is a visual storyteller above all else and that is one of the most powerful scenes in the franchise Um, that said she was just over the moon about all the action in this, um, the lightsaber fights are so fucking cool. As we've talked about so many times, I mean, this is, in my opinion, a perfect movie, top to the bottom. So I didn't ask her to elaborate much when she gave it to the number one spot.
1: Yeah, can't can't complain with that, man. I, we've talked about this. I, Revenge of the Sith is always hovered in my top three, always. And with each watch, I, I find a new love and appreciation for it. It's so funny that. These prequels, as corny as they are, they just have evolved into something special. I, It's been so fun to see them have just a crazy comeback story.
0: I agree. And the, oh man, the, it breaks my heart because the true best Star Wars moment, as you know, is burying the dead. Um, and oh, yeah. I tried to explain to her what was happening and I don't think she really got it because she didn't see all seven seasons of that show, but oh my God. I want to rewatch that every night it is so powerful that I think
1: I mean I still remember like watching it that final episode like staying up till two in the morning like on my up on my bunk like loft bed Mm -hmm. my room back at home like eyes bleeding because it's so late and just realizing like wow 25 minutes left of my childhood and it's phenomenal
0: May 4th 2020 um good soldiers follow orders this is like the the blast moment for us i think um i always send you when it gets to may 4th i send you the the like pov it's may 4th 2020 is at 2 a.m and everybody's (laughs) watching i remember i had two ap tests the next day and i was still staying up to watch this because i couldn't wait yeah
1: so worth it you made the right call
0: uh star wars is very special. And I didn't make one last comment here that it was very special to watch it with somebody for the first time. And also um, watch somebody not really see how the fans have corrupted such a, such a wonderful thing and and made it so toxic, Uh, which unfortunately it seems like the MCU is heading down that route. I'm sure everything is with the age of the internet.
1: Let's keep these fans away from a 24. The last of a dying religion
0: please um all right thank you all for listening to this episode of the blast podcast we hope you had as much fun with this one as we did uh be sure to check out our website for all our latest content and news at blastmovies.net as well as our instagram at blast underscore movies underscore and our tiktok at blast.movies for podcast clips and more content we'll catch you all next week